0: Where we go now is step four, uh, to repent. And usually you say this and there's a certain cynical overtone uh, that Mark Lassar, I think, addresses very well. Uh, And he starts off with agreeing with us. He says people should repent, change their ways and get right with God. I agree with all of those statements. Uh, The sexual behaviors that become addictive are sinful. Repentance, behavior change, and a deeper relationship with God, all the goals of healing journey for the sex addict. But I usually respond to the question with another question. How long do you expect repentance and change to take? And I would just echo the the sentiment that he's getting at here. This is not the quick I'm sorry God step. Culturally, we have reduced repentance and forgiveness to I'm sorry and that's okay. And, And we see it. Uh, This is much more than the celebrity or politician or sports star reading some written statement that if they happen to have offended somebody with this horrendous thing, that this is not the apology. Uh, This is repentance. And I think Tim Chester challenges us at a much deeper level of what that means. Uh, First, he kind of cautions us a little bit. He says, here are three reasons why people want to kick their porn habit." or even to get out of their adulterous relationship. One, to prove ourselves to God, so He will bless us or save us. Two, to prove ourselves to others, so people will like us and approve of us. Three, to prove ourselves, so we feel good about ourselves. None of these reasons work, because they put me at the center of my change. And putting myself at the center is pretty much the definition of sin. For some people... Porn offers redemption in terms of acceptance and affirmation, an alternative forgiveness. I just want to feel that I'm okay. I turn to porn instead of God because the gospel tells me I'm not. It doesn't tell me I'm okay. It tells me I'm a wicked sinner, and Jesus died in my place. The gospel demands that I change. Porn says you're okay just as you are it and again scripture says 1 Corinthians 1 the gospel is offensive it shows us who we are it shows us that apart from god we are wicked and separated from him and really pornography doesn't or adultery doesn't have that much to do with it pornography and adultery are no more icky than any other sin It is just one other manifestation of the condition of our heart before God comes in and gives us a new heart. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is an act of life-altering worship, not self-improvement. It's when I say, God, I need you, and you are the only thing that can rescue me from me. And what gets between us in repentance is pride. Pride. There's lots of different kinds of pride covered in your notebook. There's haughty pride, self-protective pride, unapproachable pride, know-it-all pride, self-exalting pride, unsubmissive pride, spiritual pride. I encourage you to go through that and look and see, where is my heart prideful? Because James 4 is very clear. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the first part of repentance is humbling ourselves to the point to admit our need. Ah, uh, again. He says the fantasy partner is all caring, all attractive, perfectly nurturing, and completely sexual. The addict believes in the illusion of control because he or she controls the illusion. The fantasy of a sex addict are feeble attempts to gain what God only God is capable of giving, which we experience partially on earth and fully in heaven. Yet I want to go back to that picture that we used of salt water. And I want to show us through the Lord's Supper kind of a picture of repentance and what is being talked about here. That if I could say, uh, go with me, let me stretch the metaphor here a little bit. Satan offers us a counterfeit Lord's Supper. Our souls are hungry for relationship. They are thirsting to worship. And he says, I will give you a version, but it's a salt water version. And he will say, I have something to satisfy that. Here it is. Take and drink. This is what I will give you to quench your thirst. And we do. And if he were to give us something to eat, it would be something like salt and vinegar potato chips. And we're hungry, and when it's finished, we just feel greasy and icky. And we come to His table again and again. And He keeps telling us that He has water that is going to satisfy and bread that is going to quench our hunger. But it's a lie. We come to the real table. Where Jesus said, I am the living water. This is my blood that was spilt for you. I became sin." I took the burden that you bore. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you. Drink the living water that you will never thirst again. Everything that sin offers that it can never give is yours in abundance when you accept what I have to offer. This is my body which was broken for you. Come, take and eat. I am the bread of life. You will hunger no more. I bore the penalty of your sin. You need not live in shame. Eat this and remember what I did in your place and on your behalf. And repentance is when we remember and when we choose which meal will we eat. And it sets up everything else in the change process. And if the way that we approach our sin does not call us to the table, then it is a flawed and less than Christian approach to this struggle. Now, uh, C.S. Lewis pulling this out more. He says, all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. And with repentance, one of the questions that I would ask is who is the God you are repenting to? Because I would say there are two common misconceptions of God that cause us not to come to Him in repentance. One is when we believe that God is not enough. When we believe this is better than this. We kind of know it isn't. But, but I can get this on demand. I, this is available to me. Just I don't believe God is enough. And the second is when I believe. That God is not approachable or angry. I feel like he is so angry with my sin. So disgusted with me. That he would just vomit fire all over me. If I came to him in Repentance. I want to read a couple of passages to you. Uh, One is from Romans 8, another is from 2 Corinthians 5. And then I want to read to you how Tim Chester rewrote those passages. Because I think he does justice to the passages, but in a very uncomfortable way. Romans 8, 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Okay, that sounds good. What does that mean for what we're talking about? This is Tim Chester's rewrite. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of a porn user. To be an offering for the sin of porn. And so he condemned the sin of porn and sinful man, in order that the requirements of sexual purity might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. And then here's 2 Corinthians five twenty one. For our sake he made him who knew no He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is Tim Chester's rewrite. God made Jesus, who never looked with lust, to be a porn addict for us, so that in Him we might become sexually pure. He took on our defilement. And in our place, He bore it on the cross. And He lived a pure life in our place and gives it to us as gift righteousness. Righteousness. When we will repent and believe upon what he did to receive it. That is what the gospel is all about. There's not a secondary change system for, sec- for sexual sin. Now one of the ways that we try to get around that, that Joshua Harris says here, is we try to exchange confession and repentance. He says confession can be a helpful part of repentance, but it can't take its place. It's possible to feel bad about something and even tell someone else about it, but not genuinely turn from our sin. We could get an accountability partner in this room and never do business with God. I want to walk you through six key elements of repentance. One, it is a desire to live for God and submit to His Lordship. Repentance, one part of what it means Is merely agreeing with God about life. And when God says this is wrong and off limits, repentance means I have a desire to live as He would call and I will submit to that. I will say yes where He says yes and no where He says no. It's an understanding of how our sin sought to replace God. This is where we see that sin is a covenant violation in the same way that adultery is a covenant violation. Before I can repent, if I don't see how my sin was offensive and sought to replace God, I don't understand why He's so ticked off. I mean, yeah, 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 I know I'm not living a perfect life, but I mean, come on. When I begin to see that my sin sought to replace Him, it now makes sense to me why He is the first person I must come to in the change process. Brokenness over my sin nature, not just the particular sin that I am facing. It must be exp- an expression to God. It means I must believe that He cares and that I will come to Him. And this is really the first movement of a real and transparent relationship where I will be honest with Him about what I've done and seek His forgiveness. It is, it, it, repentance requires a faith in God's willingness to forgive. This is really that first step of Vulnerability. Where I come going, God, there is nothing I can do that says you should forgive me, but I come just asking, will you? And yes, he is faithful to forgive, but it feels incredibly vulnerable to ask. And repentance requires a new direction of life, usually first expressed by confession. That's where we're going next. But one final thought. A repentant person is freed from defensiveness. Repentance needs to be understood both as an event and as a lifestyle change. The event is like having a tooth pulled. The lifestyle change is like entering a total dental care program. It's a lifetime commitment. This is one of the things that we say around here all the time. The gospel is not just the diving board into the Christian faith. It is the whole pool. Repentance is not just the diving board into the Christian life. It is the entire pool. Martin Luther said all of life is repentance. And so it's not as if we're going to do this right here and then we're going to get to the really practical stuff in a moment. And hopefully we will get more practical if this hasn't felt practical enough to this point. But all of our practical will merely be steps and expressions of repentance and faith.